1: is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stance.
2: Hello everybody and welcome along to the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Patrick Smith and we're coming to you after Liverpool have been knocked out of the Champions League by Real Madrid, losing 1-0 on the night thanks to a Karen Benzema goal and 6-2 on aggregate. The result ensures what we already knew, there'd be no silverware coming to Anfield this season and there needs to be a huge summer rebuild ahead that Jürgen Klopp himself has even hinted to. Stick around with me here though on the post-game podcast as we bring you the Liverpool Echoes' Paul Gord from the Bernabeu, Jürgen Klopp's press conference and the thoughts of the travelling Liverpool supporters.
1: The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
0: Liverpool's Champions League campaign is over after the 1-0 defeat here against Real Madrid at Santiago Bernabéu it made it 6-2 on aggregate for the uh, Champions of Europe as uh, Los Blancos once again get the best of the Jurgen Klopp's reds. Um, in Klopp's kind of European story at Liverpool it will be uh, Real Madrid who are the arch rivals of course victor in the final in Kiev in 2018 they uh, also won in the uh, course finals in 2021 before victory in the start of France last season and now another um, Real Madrid victory that Liverpool will have to stomach. 6 uh, 2 on Angriff, as you say, in all honesty, that one's just done in the first leg at Anfield when uh, Real Madrid stormed into a 5 uh, 2 lead after battling back from two goals down. Uh, goals from Darwin, Nunes, and Mohamed Salad inside the first 15 minutes of that first leg. Uh, never truly unruffled um, the 14 times Champions League of Europe. Uh, the clapping you can hear over to my left is Liverpool supporters, you've been kept in behind. After the game, um, they were single the they would in defiance at full time, in all honesty. It was uh, <clears throat> a result that was always going to be tough, game uh, clock went for uh, the juggler, he named four attackers in the starting lineup: up Nunes, Cody Gakpo, Mohamed Salah and uh, Diogo Jota, but uh, Liverpool never really flickered into life. He had a couple of half chances, Nunes forced Courtois into a couple of saves. Diogo Jota sliced a decent looking opportunity, got uh, nowhere near it in all honesty, and he was replaced. Uh, a long time Nunez for Harvey Elliott and Roberto Firmino in the second half which was a bit of a perplexing one for Nunes' point of view uh, maybe less so for Jonathan who enjoyed a bit of an off night still uh, obviously recovering from that serious calf injury he suffered in October but uh, a disappointing night for Liverpool in the Spanish capital uh, not a lot of people expected a legendary uh, turnaround law, alone obviously uh, Liverpool have made a habit of that of course in the Champions League and European Cup history um, not more so than under Klopp in all honesty but it's... Uh, it's something that never looked like it was going to be on the cards here at uh, Santiago Bernabeu. Real Madrid just don't uh, let three-goal leads slip through the, and when they do, they normally have enough about them to end up on the right, right side of that result. Just that Chelsea that one from last season, but it's finished here at, uh, at the Bernabeu. Real Madrid one, Liverpool nil. The
1: post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Three
4: nil, and it never seemed to go right for you on the night. Yeah, it's true. Um, we we'll come here with uh, the backpack we had, with the uh, three goals difference. You need a special performance, and um, we were not. We didn't show a special performance tonight. So it was in moments a good performance, but Real Madrid was for the whole game the team in control of the game had the better chances ali had to make two sensational saves to to keep us in the game um, and that's the reason so again if you want to get if you want to get through you need to be outstanding if you want to be in the game you need to be really good and again Madrid was the better team and that's why the right team went through to the next round
0: Carlos Vicente de Radio Marca. Yo imagino que para usted hoy tiene que ser un día muy complicado, pero no sé si dentro del enfado lógico por haber quedado eliminado le ha dado tiempo a valorar el detalle que se ha tenido aquí en Madrid poniendo el Junior World Galón al final del partido, que es algo que nunca había pasado en el Estadio Santiago Bernabéu.
4: I would have, if I would have heard it, but I'm too old, maybe. But people told me, my, my staff told me after the game, so it's a really nice gesture. So we are two heavyweights who meet each other quite frequently in international football. Um, I think it's clear that we respect each other a lot, um, and that uh, uh, whoever did it is doing something like that is is a really nice gesture, I have to say. Absolutely, um, I was not angry after the game. I'm. Um, Disappointed, and I'm... Um, I, I would be angry if he would have played better and it was close and um, then um, they win because of a penalty which is not a penalty or stuff like this but in the end, that all didn't happen. Real Madrid was just a better side and I, I'm long enough in the business to to, to, to respect that and that's it.
0: Jose Padilla De defensa central, ¿crees que este Real Madrid es favorito a ganar la Champions, viendo sobre todo la superioridad del partido de Anfield?
4: With the experience they have, with the confidence they have, of course they are one of the favourites. But I think who wants to win the competition needs to beat Madrid, or needs to beat City, needs to beat Napoli, who we face, and they are a really good football team. I am Munich, and I don't know who I forgot, to be honest. So there are now only really strong football teams involved. So, but Madrid, with their history, is for sure a team who can win it. Dave. Yeah, it, it was a, a difficult night, but a night in the Bernabeu, it does show you and the, and the team uh, how important the Champions League is and, and what's at stake. So presumably that's the message for the rest of the season now to, to Abs- get into the top four. Absolutely, absolutely. It's um, um, So with the history we have in this competition, I think we, should, we start usually in the competition with the idea of winning it, to be honest. So we reach few times the final, didn't win the final, that's true, that often, but were there anyway three times in the last few years. Um, and that's why I really believe, and if you want to win the competition, you have to be outstanding. And we weren't tonight, so that's why it's unfair that we go out, but of course it's the the competition, and uh, we want to be part of it um, every year, and that's now a massive task for us, we all know that. When we come back from international break, from the international break, uh, we have a proper football week ahead of us. I would say, um, with three games, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, which will then probably define um, where we where we get out of it. People might say we we, we lost it in, in Bournemouth, but I think. This week is a pretty decisive one, so we have to hope now that we um that the boys come back healthy early enough, um in the in the right shape, and then yeah, we will try it.
0: Hola Mister, buenas noches, Miguel Ángel Lara de Marca. Le quería preguntar si cree que el Real Madrid, más allá del nivel técnico, táctico del equipo, es el que mejor maneja emocionalmente esta competición.
4: probably yes but that's something they used to handle it the best way but now we have to see if they can do it again this year they have the right manager to do that for sure but there are other teams who didn't win it for a while and they want to go for it 100% so unfortunately we have to watch this these big games now from from distance but yeah I don't know who will win it to be honest so but will be exciting to watch. Good night, Mr Klopp.
0: Ancelotti said after the game that uh, you guys talked a little bit about the potential penalty uh, by the end of the game and that you know also discussed the penalty last night uh, between City and Leipzig and that in his words, he said that this might not be football. Could you please elaborate a little bit on the problems that maybe the VAR system is facing in recent years?
4: I can imagine I'm now not in a perfect mode to discuss general football issues, but these two things now last night if the whole world agrees it's not a penalty and two guys think it's a penalty then something is wrong tonight i think that the vr took the ref to the screen and asked him to watch it again i don't know exactly what he's doing there because it's a clear deflection i cannot deflect it from a closer range um like i don't know how it goes quicker so it's a clear deflection so the vr just looks at it just deflected keep on going. So everybody again with the football brain thought it's not a penalty. So I arrived there and uh, i talking to Carlo and he said there it's not a penalty, it's deflected. Say, I know, but he sent him still to the green screen, so there's something not 100% right. But in the end, it was not a penalty, it was not decisive. If they give the penalty, I think last night it was a bit more decisive than this would have been now. But in the end, that is not our problem tonight, but in general. Yeah, I think it would be cool if we asked there to make the right decisions, not the wrong.
0: And Jürgen, uh, Gerard, Carlo Bianchi, English, English, English for Corriere del Tecino. Which are your goals for uh, the remaining season? To to reach Tottenham? Because it's very, very important on, uh, you know,
4: know, which kind point of view Thank to you. stay in the four. Thank you for reminding uh, me. Yes, our 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 job is to squeeze absolutely everything out of this season, what's possible. It's a strange one so far. Um, just our our recent two games, obviously a sensational performance against Manchester United, which is a really good football team, and then a really bad performance against Bournemouth, which is a good football team as well. But we should not lose this kind of game. Um, they put us again on on the more pressure than. If we would have three points, I think then everybody really could felt our, or smell our breath, if you want. Um, So there's again distance because other teams won their games. But again, I said I cannot sit here now and tell. It's clear we want to be top four. But if we can do that, we will decide on the pitch, not here in the press conference.
0: Carlos. I, just quick one, on the, the first two substitutions, Jogo and Darwin coming off, that was just to try and change it up with no injuries or anything like that with those two?
4: Yeah, I think for Jogo it was clear that he should now not play extremely long because he's still coming back from a long, long injury. And you could see that the game got harder and harder for him. He had his little fouls there, one, two, three. He's not a player who plays foul, usually, how we all know. So it, it becomes a bit late. So, no risk with him when you have options on the bench. Yes, and um, Darwin looked like he, um, he was not on his absolute top level as well. And then we, we need to defend that side as well because conceding a goal is not helpful in that situation. And yeah, and then we can change like this, that's why we did it. Yeah, we wanted to mix it a little bit. That's true. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. The post game podcast on the Blood Red channel.
3: So Liverpool go out the Champions League wasn't obviously unexpected. Real Madrid, completely with a dominant advantage going into the second leg today, and at no point really did Liverpool look like overcoming or even really threatening Real Madrid in in the sense of the scoreline over two legs and. To be perfectly honest, I mean, with the opportunities that Real Madrid missed and how good Liverpool's goalkeeper was again, it it could have been more than the final score in terms of clear-cut chances. And Madrid, deservedly, went through over the two legs far better. Better technically, quicker, stronger, tactically better, more organised, just in every single capacity. And like I say, Liverpool had their outstanding goalkeeper for me. I've mentioned this in over the, the, the past few years but I think it's just getting unequivocal now that Liverpool's goalkeeper for me is the, is the best goalkeeper to play in the Premier League as a total package. I think the numbers tell you that he is almost the Leo Messi of goalkeeping in the number of goals that he saves Liverpool in comparison to, to what's expected and tonight again he just showcased everything that was fantastic about him. His ability to judge distance, his ability to use the correct body shape have the right breaking distances, alertness to danger, all of them things. Fantastic performance from the goalkeeper who obviously is not linked to the rest of Liverpool's performance or not aligned to it. And Liverpool, for me, shown what they are at this moment. I've mentioned over the last few weeks that they are an average team and I think Real Madrid won with, with a lot to spare within the game. And the worry is for Liverpool is... When will they be back playing the likes of Real Madrid again, judging by this season, which has been, well, it's been a, a, an absolute nightmare, really, in all areas. And obviously, Liverpool went into the game having to claw back the disadvantage from the first leg and set up with a uh, a shape which was different to Liverpool's normal 4 3 3. Liverpool obviously put four attackers higher on the field of play and played with a, a two man central midfield. And in keeping with a lot of the manager's decisions this season, not only in the starting eleven, but obviously I'll come on to substitutions. Again, it was just a, a strange choice for me, and both in terms of individuals, but also in the, in the actual makeup and elements of that the team in certain areas. So, obviously Liverpool going with almost a 4-2-4, four, four, if you like, and. The individuals within that system are going to be very, very important because you need players who are going to produce opposite movements and players who fit into being able to be comfortable in certain areas. And if I look at that team, again, just the unbalanced nature to it. So Liverpool, if you're playing that system, your player who's going to play that central role as the central uh, target player, if you like, has got to be a player who's able to stretch the game, who's able to pin the two centre-halves and be able to create a bit of height in your team. Now, obviously, with Liverpool, what they chose to do was they chose to go with Diogo Jota in that role, who again is less likely to do that, more inclined to come towards the ball. He doesn't have that serum and pace. He isn't a player who, you know, will pin centre halves and occupy them as a as a fixed player, if you like. And position Darwin Nunes, again, on the left-hand side. Something that I just can't understand, especially when you're playing that shape. Because I mentioned before that one of the, the reasons why I feel that Darwin Nunes hasn't played as the nine for Liverpool is that he has opposite movement patterns f- to the normal uh, in uh, p- uh, people who occupy that position. So, for example, Firmino, who will drop deep and then allow the wide players to, to, to be the height of the team. But when you're playing in this system... You've actually got a number 10, if you like, and this player in the number 10 role was Cody Gakpo today, who already occupies that position. So you you essentially need the height to come from the highest player in the central area. And then when you've got Jota potentially coming towards the ball, plus Gakpo also occupying that space, you're then asking the two wide players to try and... Um, Obviously, offer the height, and, and for me, that isn't the right way to go within that system. Nunes would would have been much better as the fixed player, as the nine, and then letting the other players within that setup filter around him, and he could obviously occupy Rudiger and Mil- Militao, and offer the the height to Liverpool's team. So. That that for me is the first issue in the team. I couldn't really understand that. And then obviously, what you're asking then is Gakpo to play as a ten. Now, as we know, Gakpo spent the majority of his career on the left hand side. Now, we've all, Liverpool have already tried to convert him into a into sort of a nine and a half Firmino position, which is different again to what he's more accustomed to coming towards the ball, which is difficult in itself to to learn a new role. But then when you're asking him to drop, you know, ten yards deeper to play as a ten and come into areas where he's not going to be familiar receiving the ball, or being able to extract the maximum from his skill set, I just, again, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if Liverpool were going to go with that system, and play for higher players, then they'd have been better playing Firmino as a 10, who'd be more accustomed to coming into them deeper roles, Noon as a, as a 9, and then selecting either Gakpo or Diogo Jota for that left-hand side role in, essentially match up the positions with the profiles of the players better suited to play in them positions. Listen, the likelihood is it wouldn't have made a great deal of difference because Real Madrid are better in all areas and have better players at this moment in time. But it just, for me, doesn't set out Liverpool in the best way to get the best result possible. And listen, who am I to, to argue with Klopp? But there's been decisions this season and especially his use of Darwin Nunes and Gakpo in some of the positions he's playing them of late which I just feel isn't getting the maximum out of these players. Now, again, if you look back within the system, so I've talked about the, the top end of the pitch, the highest lines, but let's look at the midfield, and you've got a midfield pivot too of James Milner playing in there. So I've said for a lot now, or a number of years, that James Milner's just, he's had a great career, but unfortunately, he's just not at the required level to play in central midfield for Liverpool, never mind as a two, because what you're going to have to have as that midfield two is you're going to have to have really good technicians who are able to cover ground in the centre of the pitch. Okay, we know Milner can still do that, but you've got to be able to use the ball as well, especially because if you don't, there's going to be a disconnect between the top-end players and your midfield, because Liverpool's players all occupying them forward line, them four players, are all vertical players, they're all looking to... They're not the great, greatest combination players. The players who look to play more direct, quicker and earlier. So, you know, you've got Jota, you've got Gakpo dropping into them deeper zones, but they're not really as effective in there doing it. So what you've got is you've got players making movements which they're not familiar with, but also they're not going to be effective in their areas. I mean, if you're playing that system now in the modern game, number 10s have almost gone out of fashion In the modern game. And you've got to be a really, really elite player. To play in their playoff pressure from multiple sides. Receive the ball in the tightest areas where there's limited time and space. We see it with Martin Odegaard now at Arsenal. Fantastic example of that. And that's why Arsenal can build their team around that player. Because you can almost ask him to take up the positions on the field. To be able to connect that midfield to attack. Create chances. Create opportunities for your side. Liverpool are trying to almost shoehorn players into that role. Who just aren't that profile. And because they're not, they can't get on the half-turn quick enough. They can't see things quickly enough. And they can't find the moving targets ahead of them quickly enough. So like I mentioned in the last podcast, you get then a disconnect where when you actually try and transfer the ball from midfield into the forward line, there isn't that connecting player. I've mentioned before that Harvey is the most like that in Liverpool's side. But again, if he was to play in a number 10 position, although I feel he'd be the best in there because he's the best probably at receiving in that area, you're still asking him to transform his game because he's been brought up in the youth team playing from pressure from one side on the right-hand side. So it just doesn't make sense to me. But like I say, if Liverpool are going to go down that route today, it just made sense to play Firmino in there. And then, as I say, in that deeper midfield position, Milner has to be replaced by Cater for me. I don't know what is going on with Cater at this moment in time in Liverpool's squad. It must be something behind the scenes. Obviously, we know his contract's wearing down. But if you're going to play a two in midfield, Cater is able to progress the ball whether it be playing through wall passes into the forward players or being able to actually carry it himself to be able to add some kind of connection there and that's not on against Milner he's just at the, not, not at the level or hasn't got the skill set to be able to do that I don't know what he's offering you other than the, what cater can and for me as have started Cater and Fabinho in midfield listen I just feel it would have given Liverpool a better platform and and, and, and essentially, I have a better player than Milner in that sense of midfield because Kate is a better player. It's simple as that at this moment in time in his career. And I mean, I even look at Pacetic over the last few weeks and I haven't mentioned him a great deal. That's because I've never understood the fuss. Young player doing really well, no doubt got high potential. But if you actually look at him and you take away his age, is he keeping the ball particularly well? No. Is he progressing it particularly well? No. Is he winning it back particularly well? No. So, The the Ferrari around him playing just sort of shows to me how desperate Liverpool are because if you actually look at his performances, they're not in keeping with someone who would be playing for a top side in the Premier League or in the Champions League. So Liverpool obviously have massive problems and they can't seem to find any kind of combination of quality. And then you look at Oxlade-Chamberlain. I mean, if Liverpool are going with a three-man midfield for the majority of the season, why isn't Oxlade-Chamberlain being given games as a right central midfield player as part of a 3 Listen, he probably isn't the same player before the injury that he had. But again, it just doesn't make sense to me how other players are playing in them roles and not Oxley chamberlain Again, I can't comment on training every week because the manager obviously knows best but there's definitely problems. And for me, there's problems within the squad in terms of morale as well. I mean, some of the decisions from the manager from starting 11s and also on the field, uh, substitutions trying to affect an and alter the game. have just been massive. I mean, bringing Costa Simicas on and Fabio Carvalho to not get a touch virtually in the last minute of the game. I mean, I can't understand these kinds of decisions. So, Liverpool were better beaten by the better team today. Better technically, tactically, individually. every every area, Better from the dugout. But one thing I would say is there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things this season which I think have culminated in Liverpool being as bad as they are. And, and from going through a situation where I always agreed with the manager, I always looked and had a clear direction and understanding of what he was trying to achieve with the players in the certain positions and his lineups. That hasn't been the case this season. And I think that's had the damaging effect today. I don't think it would have affected the tie overall. But it hadn't, for me, again, it didn't give Liverpool the best opportunity to try and gain anything from the game.
1: The post game podcast on the Blood Red channel.
2: For another little bonus on tonight's post game podcast, here's the conversation I had with Liverpool.com editor Matt Addison on the Full Time Whistle. Hi, I'm Patrick Smith, and I'm joined by Liverpool.com editor Matt Addison. Matt, I mean, we can't really be surprised. Cam it was an almost impossible task, but it was a pretty uninspiring, I think, is the word, evening
5: from the Reds, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? I mean, it's it's another defeat really for Liverpool, but I think for, for me it's exactly what I thought might be the case. I think I do I do think Liverpool gave it a bit of a go. I know there's been a fair bit of criticism on social media and on commentary on Bt. They've just had a little bit of a discussion post match then about, you know, did Liverpool do enough? Were they able to, to you know, take control of, of the game and and try and have a sustained period of pressure? But you know, it's It's Real Madrid, they're playing with the midfield of James Milner and Fabinho. They've not really been in perfect form, obviously. You know, the the Manchester United game, they were there and and they were explosive and scored every time they attacked. But, you know, generally speaking, I think this is kind of what we've come to expect. I think the biggest thing that, that stood out to me really was that Real Madrid just. Control things, didn't really let Liverpool do that. I think if Liverpool had have gone a goal up, we'd have seen a completely different Madrid team and maybe uh, they could have had, you know, one, two, maybe three more levels and, and more gears to go up and I think if they needed to, to take their performance to another level, they could quite easily have, have done that. But they just kept Liverpool at arm's length. Obviously, we knew, you know, the the first leg was was what killed Liverpool, really, to, to go two goals up so early and, and not at least take a, a draw. You know, even if it had been two each at Anfield, that would have been a disappointment considering, you know, the position that Liverpool are in. But it would have at least given them an opportunity in the second leg. I think it was always going to be impossible for them to, to come back. And I just get the feeling that obviously you don't want to lose 1 0. But even if, you know, Liverpool had gone one up, there were opportunities. You know, if Salah had played a couple of passes, if, you know, Doa Nunez's shot had, had gone in rather than been tipped around the post, I think. Even if even if Liverpool had gone a goal up, I think we probably would have still seen Madrid go up to another level, probably get a goal back, and we know that you know when teams attack Liverpool and, and do sustain that pressure, this version of Liverpool at the moment, particularly with the midfield injuries and all the absences that they've got in that position, yeah, it, it just never seemed likely, and it, it was a, a meek way of going out. But I think that was as much to do with, or, or probably a lot more to do with, the way that Real Madrid performed rather. Than an underperformance from Liverpool.
2: Yeah, I would say. I mean, you know, it does come to the midfield, unfortunately, as it has done so many times this season. I don't want to discredit James Milner. I think he actually played pretty well on the night. And at 37 years old, you know, what a 70's been to the club. But it just shows the gap now that this Liverpool team are a shadow of what they were. They used to be a feared side around Europe. You know, you see that Real Madrid midfield tonight, absolutely stacked. And they've invested. They've got Tuomeni, Camavinga and Oval playing on the right wing. Whereas, you know, as Summer says in our uh, comments section midfielders needed enough said. I mean, you know, Matt, the hand was sort of forced with those two. Granted, there are lots of injuries and players missing tonight. But it's just, once again, the area where Liverpool clearly struggling, you know, for the hundredth time this season, we're having this conversation, aren't we?
5: Yeah, we said it the weekend, didn't we? The, the, The defeat there. Obviously, comes back to the midfield tonight. It's the midfield again. I thought, you know, Milner and, and Fabinho did did pretty well. I think, you know, again, it's it's one of those where they look quite good. But Real Madrid, if they needed to, could have really overwhelmed them and swarmed them, and they could have gone up another couple of levels. But I think they they did play quite well. I think that the two of them in the centre, but. It just didn't quite click in the attack and it's not necessarily a case always that you put an extra attacking player in there and it suddenly all works and you get more opportunities. It, it just didn't quite work. It, it kind of needed the extra midfielder. I think it needed you know, a Thiago or you know, maybe someone like a Jude Bellingham in the summer could be someone who could link those two areas together. It just looked a little bit like there was a two and a four and nothing in between. And I think Cody Gapo did okay and, and kind of tried his best to, to link those two areas together but it just looked a little bit disjointed it, it didn't quite click and I know a lot of people are, are disappointed about Darwin Nunez coming off when he did which yeah. I kind of get to a certain extent I think Diogo Jota and Nunez though were not particularly exciting it wasn't like Liverpool were creating loads of chances and you know keeping Real Madrid under pressure I don't think you're ever going to see Mohamed Salah taken off because you just never know when he's going to pop up with a goal and you know it's yeah it's it, it's tough because you look at you know some of the players that have come off the bench you think of you know Oxley Chamberlain you've not exactly got a huge amount of hope that he's going to pull something out again did okay when he came on but you know, he's he's not someone that you're going to turn to and, and think and turn a game around at the burnabout when you're a goal down but it, it's just it, it's frustrating because we know what the problem is and liverpool can't do anything until the end of this season they could have done something in january they should have done something last summer in terms of the midfield but we know that that's the case we've said it enough times and yeah it's it, it's frustrating i think I think they've been a little bit unfortunate as well that they've drawn Real Madrid. I think, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of teams they would have been able to to go on and, and beat. And, you know, it, ultimately it, it doesn't particularly matter if, if you don't win the competition, if, if you go out at this point, it's it's maybe not the worst thing in the world. But yeah, that they will be back. It's it's just a case of getting through to the summer. Hopefully they can get in the top four. But regardless of that, it's it's nothing new. What we've seen tonight is that the midfield needs to strengthen, but we knew that already.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's not much shame as they're going out to the holders and one of the probable favourites, given it's one of Liverpool's worst seasons in the past five or so years. But I mean, Matt, you you mentioned there about the attack. We saw four in there tonight. I mean, a bit of a gung-ho formation. Um, At Bournemouth as well, they switched to the four to try and get that goal. On both occasions, they failed to do so. Granted, Real Madrid's a tougher task to score against. No, and I think, is that the final nail in the coffin for seeing four an attack? Because they seem to be a lot better in their build-up play with the three midfield, didn't they?
5: Yeah, I, I much prefer the, the three in terms of, of the balance. I think there will be times when they go with a four. There's been you know, a couple of occasions last season that people overlook. I think there was one in the FA Cup where they were a goal down. Uh, I can't remember who that was against, but they, they went four and it worked for them. But I think it, it just comes down to the personnel, really. I mean, whether Darwin Nunez goes and, and plays on the left in future, you know, next season, how much will that be the case? I don't know. Obviously, Luis Diaz has, has got to come back and Diogo Jota not in the best of form. Mohamed Salah, I think, is one of those players that, you know, if if you put him in a team that's absolutely flying, he'll get you 40 goals in a season. But otherwise, it's it's a little bit of a, a struggle. And, you know, someone like Firmino that came on didn't exactly do a great deal in the, the game. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a an individual um, underperformance and, you know, it, it's not really fair to, to judge... The, the formation in, in that regard, I don't think. Maybe if you had yeah. Luis Diaz on the left-hand side and, and Nunes through the middle rather than Diogo Jota, who's not scored for so long and didn't look particularly sharp, I think maybe maybe that changes things. But I don't necessarily think it was a tactical thing that they thought, we need to score three, so let's go with four up front. I think it was just a case of, well, you know, that unless you go with Elliot in the midfield, there's not really any other options. Curtis Jones was on the bench, but obviously didn't come on and, wouldn't exactly have been a, a favourite, I don't think, for, for a lot of people to to have started that that game. All the injuries that they've got, it kind of just forced the hand a little bit. And we we have talked about a four uh, forward system throughout this season, but it's not necessarily because they've got four forwards who are absolutely on fire. It's just more a case of well, they haven't quite got enough midfielders, so you might as well try it. So
2: yeah, yeah. one no midfielders. <laughs>
5: yeah, exactly, and uh, yeah, the. the it's just another another thing. I could probably answer every single question tonight with they just don't have enough midfielders. And yeah. ultimately, that's what it comes back to.
2: I mean, yeah, let's move away then from the team's performance. But the wider picture, Matt. So it's going to be a silver wireless season for Liverpool. There's a very probable chance now they won't be inside the top four. What does that mean for them in the summer? Because, you know, there's concerns now around the recruitment. If they're not in the Champions League, they're a side on the decline. That could pose real problems for them in the summer market, couldn't it?
5: Yeah, I mean, essentially, it can't change anything. I think they still need to do exactly the same, you know, regardless of of whether they get in the top four or not. I think there is still an opportunity. They've still got to play Tottenham at Anfield. They've still got enough matches to be able to turn things around. And I think it'd be, you know, a little bit premature to to start writing them off in terms of that Champions League race, just because, you know, the other teams, we, we know Tottenham have had a decent result this week. but. Probably that yep. means next week they won't, you know, they they are so inconsistent and there is still an opportunity. I think, you know, Liverpool, obviously the, the game against Bournemouth is just proof that they are inconsistent themselves. But I think they've got enough uh, games over the, the next sort of couple of months that you can kind of see a way back. I think it'd be interesting now. You know who can they get back will Thiago be back after the international break will Luis Diaz be ready to come on and play I would think probably off the bench rather than from the start in the the three games in a week of you know, Manchester City and Chelsea away and, and then Arsenal at Anfield but even just to have him in the squad and, and to have him for you know 15-20 minutes off the bench in, in those matches could be important so I just think you know that there's still there's still enough time for Liverpool to kind of make a success of what they've got left but ultimately yes you're right it's a disappointing season they're not going to win a trophy they've not been involved in in a title race and you know for, for all of these players for Jurgen Klopp as well it's you know a season missed really purely because they didn't have enough midfielders they didn't invest enough and, and didn't sort of notice quickly that or quick enough that that, that sort of area was going to become a real mm. problem they did obviously try and, and go and get mainly last summer but didn't happen didn't get anybody else and i think it's uh, yeah it's 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 a real shame really because like i said there's only so many years of, of Jurgen Klopp being at liverpool there's been you know the the covid season where they had um, you know no center backs and, and get themselves into the top 4 or the top 3 as it was in the end but i think this is another one of those seasons where you know it's it's just a case now even even if they come fourth which you'd absolutely take obviously at this point in, in time even if they come forth, I think we'll look back and think, well, if they'd have just done a little bit more last summer, yeah. maybe they'd have given themselves a chance in in one of the cups. Maybe they'd have been in a title race. I think, yeah, you
2: know, so City not being in the best of form, maybe even the title race could have yeah, been
5: on. Yeah, yeah, certainly you'd back them against that Arsenal team, and you know, even in the Champions League, I think you know Liverpool Real Madrid over two legs last season would have been interesting. Yeah. Obviously, this season was uh, was very very different. So, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a bit of a wasted season, but there's still, you know, however many is it twelve Premier League games to go or, or whatever it is. Um however, plenty of, yeah. however many there are left, I think it's it's just a case now of, of making sure that you achieve that that minimal aim, mm-hmm. get to the summer and, and hopefully can reset and, and forget that this season happened. But yeah, it's it is it is a waste of a season. There's no no two ways about it.
2: Yeah, and of course, when people talk about the recruitment, I think most supporters are anxious about, you know, the Jude Bellingham signing. Why wouldn't he want to play in that Liverpool midfield tonight over the Real Madrid way? <laughs> you might not even get a game because there's so many of them. Uh, just to end, that as well, um, Real Madrid playing, you'll never walk alone at the end of the burnabout. It's been a bit of a controversial topic on social media. Do you think it's a classy touch or do you think it's a bit of a pitiful dig, as some supporters are saying?
5: Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, I thought that was a bit of a, a weird one. I think the... Uh, TV cameras picked up the Liverpool fans singing along with it, so I'll give them the uh, the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was, maybe it was a nice moment, but yeah, I don't know. I, to be honest, I wouldn't be that bothered either way. I know people get right. very, uh, very annoyed by these things, but yeah, if it was a little bit of a dick, then fair play to them. They just won six <laughs> two, so yeah, it's one of them.
1: You've been listening to the post game podcast on the Blood Red channel.